Good morning. It's been a while, but I'm back in the saddle again, and it's good to be able to bring God's word to you this morning. Um, I just want to tell you a story first. And it was one day during the summer, I was walking home past the presentation centre when giant drops of rain started falling. Now these are the kind of drops that when you see them falling, you know you're in for a bat with your clothes on if you don't run and leg it in the next 10 seconds. So I popped into the porch of the presentation centre and uh, several other people joined me and we all ran for cover and you could hear everybody screaming and laughing and having fun, getting absolutely soaked. But uh, within seconds, the sky opened and there was a deluge of water and it just instantly flooded the area. Um, but in the midst of the squeals and the laughing of people trying to shelter but failing miserably was what can only be described as an explosion. Okay. The arrows work on them, I Okay. Use them. But anyway, this explosion is a massive lightning strike just that hit the tree across the road, literally like a few yards away from the centre, and right where people were sheltering under some bushes. So sparks flew, and understandably, those folk at the impact site ran faster than I've seen anyone moving outside the Olympics. <laughs> so, while I remember that, what I remember even more is the absolute awe and silence that fell on everyone in the area. Um, after the apocalyptic thunder had voiced this deafening roar, nothing moved, and there was nothing, no noise, no sound, everything was just quiet. Um, even the cars stopped for the war. No one uttered a word for what felt like an eternity, and I can't help but thinking in those moments of silence that we all shared the same feeling. Um, the same realisation, the reality of our frailty and our mortality, uh, that our lives are completely at the mercy of a power infinitely greater than us, which brings us to another storm. Which is this one. So today we're going to be reading Mark 4, 35 to 41. And Philip is going to read for us today, I think. Thanks, Philip. Good morning, all. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was complete calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him.
شلو Um, so verse 35 points us to the backstory of this passage. That day when evening came, at this point in his ministry, Jesus had already called the twelve apostles and was healing, casting out demons and teaching crowds of people. Um, earlier in Mark 3, okay, earlier in Mark 3, verses 7 and 9, we see that Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake and a large crowd from Galilee followed him. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him, to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, and that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. So already we see that Jesus had a vast crowd of people wanting to see him. And in verse 20, it says, Jesus entered the house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. So Jesus was inundated with people following him. So can you imagine being surrounded by that many people that you couldn't even eat? That's a lot of people. And on this particular day, again, because of the great numbers of people that surrounded him, he taught them in parables in a boat along the water's edge. And by the time evening came, he must have been exhausted as he dismissed the crowd. No, go on there, Maggie. Technology has never worked for me, ever. <laughs> so, Jesus gives a command to sail to the other side. And in verse 36, leaving the crowds behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Now, it's possible the crowd that he was with didn't want to go anywhere, and that's why he was heading off. Um, we don't know who were in the boats. There were likely people that were still following him and eager to see him. But they set off anyway, away from the crowd for a time. And there was an odd reference to Jesus in verse 36, which reads, They took him along just as he was. Now, some have suggested this is a reference to Jesus somehow being unequipped in the eyes of seasoned fishermen to sail in the lake, um, unprepared for the voyage. Or it could just mean that there and then they just suddenly upped and left, taking Jesus as he was, and on his newfound floating ministry. Or it could be a hint that he was in a state of exhaustion. They took him along just as he was. Now, I don't think Jesus was wearing the wrong robe for sailing. I think he was visibly exhausted. And after a long time ministering to the crowd, um, just so much so that Mark recorded it. So, verse 37, then the storm hit. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Uh, translations of furious squall include those monstrous black cloud tornado type things that you see on TV. Um, to be caught at sea in a small boat, in the middle of one is a terrifying prospect. But if uh, seasoned fishermen or not, they must have looked at the panic in each other's eyes and the realisation that this is it, it's over, this is the end. But before they go down with the ship, they look at Jesus, still asleep, in a sinking ship, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. So in the middle of the storm, to beat all storms, Jesus was asleep. Uh, verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. We now know two really important things about this voyage. We know Jesus purposefully arranged this trip, and we know that sometime before the storm that Jesus went to sleep. 
Jesus was the perfect man and he was God. Sometimes because of this we imagine that he never got tired or never suffered aches and pains. Um, but he did. He was fully human. And some of you might be familiar with the TV series The Chosen and the episode where it just shows Jesus physically wrecked after his long day with the crowds. If you haven't seen it, it's well worth a watch. But um, it really helped bring this aspect of Jesus' ministry to life. He was absolutely wrecked. He was shattered. Um, verse 38, the disciples walk him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Uh, Jesus, can't you see we're all going to die? How can you sleep? Can't you see the wind and the waves? Don't you care? That's what they were thinking. That's what they were really saying. Um, just frustration in those words and fear. Things couldn't get any worse. And there was no obvious way out. They were in the storm with a deafening roar and stinging rain and at the mercy of the sea and the waves. Any second now it would be over. Except the creator of the universe was in the boat. That detail eluded them, but in a few seconds their minds would be forced to try and grasp that concept. Um, verse 39. He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Now note that it says completely calm, not that the storm eased off um, instantly, just like that. A demonstration of absolute power over creation. And note that Jesus rebuked this storm. He didn't quiet it with a gentle shush. Uh, some have suggested the similarity of this rebuke with the rebuke Jesus used when casting out demons. Um, that maybe the storm in all its chaos and fury was a manifestation of Satan's power which in the end just serves God's higher purpose in spite of all of its rage. Um, verse 40, he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So they were terrified, all right. Can you imagine what they felt in the silence after Jesus calmed the storm as the little boat bobbed gently on the sea? Um, reading that passage trying to imagine an exhausted Jesus standing up with his hair all messed up from the wind telling this furious tempest to be quiet and then calling out to his disciples for their lack of faith um, and his disciples stunned and in complete awe and silence just staring at him, each other and the calm sea and sky I can't help but wonder did Jesus smile Jesus was God and now the apostles knew that and what a way to learn the lesson God was with them in the boat and he would get them to the other side and that's the realisation I want to focus on this morning it's true and it's comforting that God can calm any storm and he can he's God but that might not be his plan the apostles made it safely to the other side of the lake of Galilee that day with the revelation that Jesus was God but that wasn't the last storm they'd face all of the apostles suffered for living their lives for Jesus most went on to be martyred. Um, to those around them, it may have looked like life storms got them in the end. Only it didn't. Because just like in the boat, Jesus got them to the other side. And he was with them through it all. And that's our story too. There will be many storms in this life. But Jesus will get us to the other side. And he'll stay with us always. Uh, there are so many verses declaring God will always be with us. Romans 8, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, 
nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. And then Matthew, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. You'll always be with us. It doesn't mean it'll calm every storm. It doesn't mean we'll never be sick or never lose those we care about. Um, it doesn't mean we won't be persecuted for our faith or suffer pain. But what it does mean is that Jesus is God and God is with us. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. John, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and it is in closest relationship with the Father has made himself known. In Philippians, in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Um, through the cross and through his love for us Jesus has saved us from the greatest storm of all, God's judgment, and from death and eternal separation from him. Instead, we can live with the certainty of a future with him in heaven as part of his family. We may not understand the storm, but one day we look the apostles in the eye and realize not only did we make it through the storm, but as Romans 8.28 says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Um, and that Jesus will bring us to heaven. John 14. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. But where I am, you may be also. Thanks, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. So we do not lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And finally, he will wipe away every tear from his eyes, from their eyes, and death shall no more be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away um, so for now we have no shortage of storms but they can turn the world upside down and they do um, but they can also show us the foundation we stand on of where our hope lies our hope lies in the fact that Jesus is God and that was the revelation of this passage God loves us and has not only saved us but given us the greatest of futures to look forward to and this is a fact. So whether the storm howls or the waves are calm, all things are within God's control. And as Christians saved by faith, we are always secure within his good and perfect plan, no matter how dark it looks. <laughs>